Hey everybody, welcome into the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, another Ohio State training camp practice in the books. It's time for some snap judgments. Mm-hmm. Snappy Jays, as Burn might say. I would I might say it, but I won't say it. Might say I it will say it wasn't just any old practice. I session. know. Let me get to that. That's Jeremy Birmingham, yeah. Bill Landis, I'm Austin Ward. It was an open practice. Start to finish. There's no better kind uh, for anybody breaking it down for the podcast, especially. So we have a lot. A lot of observations to make, and they actually looked like real football, Bill. Yeah, like last year we came out here for this day, and I think they were in shells. It was like overcast. I feel like they were just kind of like walking through some stuff. CJ Stroud didn't even practice. Like <laughs> they had full pads on today. They had uh, a pretty lengthy team period. They're actually playing real football. Some seven on seven stuff. Some eleven on eleven. Got to see some pass rush stuff. Some inside drill. It was great. It was a real practice. I, honestly, the first real practice we've gotten to watch in quite some time. I was thinking about. Big Ten Network, and that's why, of course, we got to watch the full thing today is because they were here, and if they're here, they, they don't really feel good stopping us from watching the whole <laughs> practice if Big Ten Network gets to watch it. But think about a year ago when they were here, and they get here, and they're trying to figure out what the Ohio State Buckeyes are, and then CJ Stroud doesn't throw the football. <laughs> Not once. Like, didn't throw it one time. So they're like, oh, what in the world? This We, we did get to see a team that looked uh, complete. You know, I mentioned it to Austin. Even though they're dealing with a little couple injuries here and there at corner, nothing is long-term. This is about as healthy as I can remember the Buckeyes being at this point in a preseason in a long time. So uh, it's fun to just get to watch these guys run around. Some thud tempo out here, guys that hooting and hollering when they make a play, and, and you know a lot of competitive fire. It is interesting that overall this team is incredibly healthy by training camp standards, even a week into it. The pit is basically empty uh, for Mickey Mariah. He doesn't have to go rehab guys through injuries, but they are isolated at cornerback. And, you know, Cameron Brown is still on a pitch count. I think that's worth mentioning. They're trying to be careful and make sure that he's ready for September 3rd. Uh, we know it's Jordan Hancock. Does not appear to be anything major long-term, uh, but he's been out. Jansen Dunn, who was moved over to help fill out some of these reps in the in the short term, but he was limping a little bit and had to take get some old tra- treatment. Again, none of these things are likely to last very long, but it's certainly not fun for Ohio State. Ryan they, Turner, another corner. Yeah, that, they have, that they have... All of that basically isolated at one position, which is a pretty important one if you're trying to stop the pass. It, it's mildly alarming to look out during an 11-on-11 or a 7-on-7 and see guys at defensive line and linebacker and safety who you think are going to play. And then you look at a corner and Jake Seibert's out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it's not great. The good news is, like you said, it's not, it's not long-term. You want these guys ready for the opener. If they're not quite 100% now, I think that's okay. I, you know, you did peek your head in here, and like Jordan Hancock is not practicing fully, but he is moving around, like he's yeah. doing stuff. So I think yeah, that, there's that, no rap, that's there's encouraging. No like they're they're still in their full pads, they're still moving around, they're just not taking part in, in full on practice. And again, if there was a game on Saturday, you'd fully expect Cameron Brown and Denzel Burke yeah. and J.K. Johnson to be your starting three. And I mentioned uh, Austin during the practice. If things go poorly at corner, a guy like J.K. Johnson could be one of the most important players on this entire roster. Just in the blink of an eye, and th- it does make you pay attention to the cornerback position. You look, okay, Cam, Cam Martinez is out there working at, on the outside, working at slot. Uh, J.K. Johnson, as I said, and then you have Lord McFarquhar, the, the walk-on. His name is Lord. <laughs> what? He's Lord, not. He's Lord not the, He's not the Shrek character. This is <laughs> this is news to me. Um, you see Lord, Lord McFarquhar out there, fight Lord, and uh, you know he he made an interception against Kyle McCord and, and had the the, the defense uh, you know clamoring for, for more of the Lord. More of the Lord. 
need more Farquaad. Need life. more Farquaad. And uh, <laughs> I just think it's it is it's one of those things where it's like it, it kind of sucks that you don't have your full complement of guys out there. But at the same time, it's we're only one week into training camp, and maybe it doesn't hurt to have some other guys getting some opportunities to step up. I, I thought J.K. Johnson handled his reps quite well from what we saw, and uh, it was a good day for him. A lot of a lot of other Buckeyes caught the eye. I'm going to start with mine, the person who I thought was the MVP of the day was Emeka Ibuka. Mm-hmm. The guy is an incredible athlete. We knew that was the case. He's he's added some strength and muscle. We saw that a week ago in, in four periods of stretching, but he, he made a catch and I had to ask you for help on the coverage. I, I missed it. I was so, like, it was great coverage by Tanner McAllister. He's draped all over Emeka Ibuka and he, his body adjustment reach in, contested catch, makes it deep downfield. And I was like, that looked like uh, the kind of catch that Jackson Smith and Jigbo would make last year. That caught my eye. He just got open consistently. Didn't ever put a football on the ground. Uh, he He's on that upswing, and I thought that he was the most impressive player I saw today. Yeah, he, he definitely flashed quite a few times. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. as well at, at that position. Um, Jaden Ballard made a really nice kind of over-the-shoulder, one-hand catch on a ball that I, I believe was thrown by Kyle McCord. I can't quite remember, but it was kind of like a, a slot fade deal, and... and Jaden sold his route really well and then made a really kind of acrobatic catch to do it. So not that anyone's surprised. That looks like they have a bunch of dudes at receiver, but it's nice to watch a full practice and kind of get that confirmed for you. And no pressure on Ibuka, but he's like the perfect blend. If you could take Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and make them into one player. Oh, yeah, no pressure. No, wow, that's so sort of who he is yeah, yeah. At, at his as, at his peak, right? Like he is, <laughs> I mean, no pressure. Yeah. But you can be as good as both those guys combined. Just a mashup of two first-round draft Right, and he is that good. And I mean, I, I don't think we, we talk about him enough. He was the number one ranked receiver in the country in the class of 2021. He was not some throw-in. He was not a guy that this offseason should be ignored while we hype up Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison's a freak. Everyone knows that. Jackson Smith and Jigba is maybe the best receiver in Ohio State history. But let's not forget that Emeka Buka was higher ranked than both of those guys coming out of high school. Mm. He's, yeah, he's sorry, I mean to cut you no, off, but he's got he's got some versatility to him too. Yeah. He, you can, I guess, you can put Jackson kind of anywhere. You can put Emeka anywhere. But Emeka is a deep threat. He is a guy that you can use in the in the um, swing game, in the screen game, mm-hmm. and bubble screens. And he he's a guy who can do in reverses. That's I mean, this is a kid that's going to find the football a lot. And I don't know necessarily that it means anything negative for Julian Fleming and other guys down the line. But like, he's too good to keep. Out of the focus of the offense. I felt like we would see Emeka working in the slot and allowing Jackson Smith and Jigba to go outside this year. That's sort of, in my mind, what I thought the top three would look like. That's not what we saw today. And it was Julian Fleming, at least with that first unit, and for just one period, Julian Fleming and Marvin Harrison on the outside, and Jackson staying inside in the slot. Uh, and I suppose that maybe that's just he's so incredibly dangerous and those other guys are good, and, and Emeka was working outside that... You don't, you don't have to do that. You have the ultimate matchup nightmare by leaving Jackson in the slot. But I, I thought I, I wrote it down. I took notice of it. I, he doesn't mean he has to stay there for every single snap. But that's a little bit of what we saw more like in the Rose Bowl. I think this idea that was in Ryan Day's brain, like, well, what if we put him in the backfield? And what if we shift him around the formation? Yeah. Like, what are you gonna do? He's like, he's the ultimate kind of chess piece, I think. And I guess maybe the closest 
comparison that this offense have had, has had in recent memory is, is Curtis Samuel. They're not they're not quite the same player. They're not really the same player at all. But I think they can do some of the same things. And with a guy like that, you just you hunt mismatches, and you don't you don't want to peg him into only being an outside receiver because that's kind of the progression that Garrett Wilson had when he was a slot guy and they moved outside and he just kind of stayed out there. I think Jackson's got a little bit different of a skill set. He can do all those things outside. Like he can be a ball winner if you want to put him out there. But he's just so dynamic in, in the slot, and his, his route running is so deceptive. And honestly, too, the the rapport that he has with C.J. Stroud in that I middle s- area. I said that field, today. Like, I, I don't think Jackson Smith and Jigba should be allowed to practice. <laughs> just like, put him in bubble wrap. Yeah, I just think that like no, no, no. It wasn't to protect him. It yeah, was I to protect it do- the defense. I think it doesn't. They thought it was unfair. I think it's unfair. To, yeah. Like, and I, I also don't know that it helps the other quarterbacks. I don't know that it helps the other receivers. He's so good <laughs> and so open all the time yeah. that you the quarterbacks. He has to throw to him. He's so open every time, right? But is it actually helping the other guys? Is it? I mean, come on, America. Like, does it, don't we want them to have their chance too? But honestly, I think the offense. It just, on, it's just. It's such a. It's such a funny spot because if you're going to have to double Jackson, pretty much every time he's on the field. But then Marvin could also draw a lot of double teams just because of his size and the ability to do things on the outside. And if that opens up that other spot for Emeka Booker or Julian Fleming. You're going to have, I'm telling you, you could see a, a season statistically out of Emeka Buka that is going to shock people, um, similar to what Jackson Smith and Jigba did last year when everyone thought you had to focus on Olave and Garrett Wilson. Yeah. But yeah. to me, I mean, we're still talking about who, who stood out today, right? Yeah. Yep. Who do you uh, got? Cade freaking Stover, man. Cade mm-hmm. freaking mm-hmm. Stover. Like, Cade Stover's a deep threat, apparently. He was the only receiver other than Xavier Johnson, who I saw make a play down the field when they went to team stuff. Did it a couple times on, on a tight end wheel route. <laughs> I mean, that was nice. Stuff like that that we're yeah. like, oh, that looks interesting. And you know, we, we were talking to one of the defensive backs after practice, and he said, once the ball gets in Cade's hands, one of them. Yeah, wonder who, once, wonder who it was. Once, <laughs> once the ball gets in Cade's, once the ball gets in Cade's hands, you can't get it out. And uh, come on, America, but, let's guess who it was. <laughs> Could have been anyone. But the point is, it, we haven't seen G. Scott really emerge into that secondary receiving option at tight end outside of Joe Royer. And right. Kate Stover and the ability to do multiple things and obviously his physicality makes him different. Um, maybe you see Kate Stover making himself a little money this year. Yeah, that's a, a good observation. Bill, who uh, who gets your tribute today? I mean, I have a, a few that I feel like I could name. I, this will shock nobody, but while 7-on-7 seven seven was happening, I went down to the other end of the field oh, where, that right? where uh, offensive defensive linemen were, were doing uh, pass rushing drills, and and a few guys stood out to me, uh, m- mostly along the offensive line. I was like Luke Luke Whipler. I'm not sure he lost a rep. Um, had a little had a little edge to him too. Got got in a hmm. little uh, little scuffle there with Ty Hamilton. Nothing, nothing, yeah. nothing crazy. A, a but, couple snap judgments favorites right there yeah. going head to head. That that caught the attention. But really solid. I think the, the thing that stood out most to me was like watching that first offensive line group kind of go through all their first reps of pass rush. Frankly, like did it look great? But then when they went through the second time, they all started to win. Um, you know, Parrish Johnson, Donovan Jackson, Luke, Matt Jones, and, and Dewan Jones all had really nice moments going against, you know, Jack Sawyer, JT Tuimolowell, Zach Harrison, the guys that we think are, are going to be premier pass rushers this year. So I thought that was really encouraging to kind of see them fail, see them learn from their mistakes, have a really good second rep. Justin Fry was, like, really juiced up when he saw that was giving guys high fives all over the place. So I, I guess I'll say – the offensive line in general from that particular period. I don't know if we all felt like it was the strongest practice for them overall. Right, but that's, but that it, that's incredibly important because when they did the inside drills just 10 minutes before that, when, again, the defense knew they were running the ball every play, the defensive line was sort of 
handing them their lunch. They were. Yep. And so you you definitely are glad to see that offensive side of the ball come back and and, and bow up. That's why I wanted to at least let Ryan Day respond to that when we have an op- open practice like that because I think we all watched that drill and thought the defense, the run defense, is ahead of this rush offense at this point. Now that drill is maybe stacked a little bit in favor of the defense uh, for a couple reasons: an extra person in the box, there's no threat of a pass, uh, and as and as Berm said, when you know it's coming, that makes it a lot easier as well. So uh, obviously that makes it more difficult, but also we've spent the entire off season talking about what is this. Ohio State offense you need to do. Well, you need to get two yards when everyone knows that you're mm-hmm. going to run the football. So um, that period, I don't think, was great. But you also have to look at it from that camp perspective. Is it an encouraging sign that that front seven group for the Ohio State defense was flying to the football and filling gaps and, and bringing the ball carrier you know near to the ground or thudding up the way they were? Like They looked pretty impressive. I think you that's the give and take of August. Like Somebody has to win a rep. It's also something I said to Bill earlier. You know 95% of the games you play, you're not going to play against a defensive line that good. And so you have to maybe make some concessions. Is there any game they're going to play with a defensive line Wait, better? I mean, you get to the playoff and you might have to run into Clemson or, or Georgia. Pretty good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's there's going to be – Michigan's going to have a good uh, defensive line again even without Hutchinson and Ajabo. And then if you get to the playoff, you, you're going to have to deal okay. with Alabama or Clemson or Georgia or someone like that. Okay. Um, I want to mention a player that stood out to me because we – we talked so much a year ago about what we expected to see out of Zach Harrison a year ago. Um, and we know he was this close all year long. And watching him today, he seemed to have a little bit extra, a different gear than he did a year ago. And I don't know, maybe because we're not talking about him as much, people aren't paying attention. But I said on one of our shows a few weeks ago, I think he's going to lead the team in sacks this year. And I, I really liked what I saw out of him. Just He was a little bit lower to the ground, getting himself a little bit better in the matchup game, You know, changing the 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 where he's at and and you saw it against Paris Johnson a couple times like he's getting around the edge and if he can shorten that path to the quarterback by even a fraction he's going to get a, a number of sacks that he was this close on last year can I throw out Kai Stokes sure you can just real I mean his kid's an absolute dog like <laughs> I love watching him play football he was great in the spring game and even today again inside drill like you said tailored to the defense it's a little easier to trigger downhill when you know the other the offenses are going to throw the ball but man he has like no hesitation to, to stick his head in there, get in a backfield. He was flying around making plays. I think the defense really feeds off the energy of a guy like that. So right. just felt like I needed to mention that, that he kind of stood out again in a practice yeah. setting where we got to watch him. And I felt like one person that we hadn't talked enough about that also flashed to me on the defense side of the football was Lathan Ransom. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I, I mean, I talked about him. The fact that he was able to practice was impressive enough and the you know advances in, in modern medicine and all that stuff. But he looked like Lathan Ransom out there and I think he that's like 2020 Lathan Ransom yeah very very athletic uh, knows for the football aggressive and I think that's why you can see uh, well what can we experiment with if you're Ohio State with Cameron Martinez and Jansen Dunn because I think Jim Knowles and you know Perry Eliano and Tim Walton are getting more out of Lathan Ransom than they could have reasonably expected Jim Knowles alluded to that earlier in the week he didn't hadn't seen him he hadn't worked with him in spring he was missing all of that while recovering from the leg injury. Now it's like, oh, this guy is a legitimate option to play any of the safety spots and play it at a high level. Yeah, I mean, he looks rebuilt. Yeah. Uh, and, and just to your point, I mean, Kai Stokes is a guy who is, a, we're talking about potential depth issues at corner. 
there was a lot of people in the Kai Stokes recruitment who thought he could eventually play corner because of his length and athleticism. And I wouldn't be surprised in a season like this where you know there's an issue at, at corner with depth. This kid's going to need to get on the field a little bit. So how do you how do you find space for him? And he is that really exciting electric athlete. I would tell Austin out there, like, the idea next year of Sonny Styles and Kai Stokes in the mm-hmm. safety at the safety <laughs> spot together, it's like having a pair of Malik Hookers out there at the same time. And that is... Hey, no pressure to no everybody pressure. that, yeah. that just ha- has to go out and be a hybrid of Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. He doesn't or, have to. He just two is. Malik Hookers in yeah. the secondary. Uh, and I, also, I also was really impressed by what we see, saw out of Jared Brown. He was the second... Yeah. Uh, he was the first true freshman to lose his black stripe in, in this camp. He's a kid that was out here, I mean, getting physical. He threw Marvin Harrison to the ground on a rep. And, I mean, he he's a f- competitive kid. And he may not be the, the athlete that everyone looked at in the recruiting class. Like, oh, this guy's going to be a, a, a dude. But, like, Jair is a – he's got a little bit of an edge to he's him. He's got a little Denzel Burke. He's got a he little edge to him that you like to see out of that corner spot. And I think if you put Kai and Jair and Sonny – and then you start to work in J.K. Johnson. All of a sudden, you don't just have some some really good athletes. You've got guys with a absolutely different mentality than we maybe have seen in the defensive back. You've got a room here. You got a you got a whole bunch of stuff going on there. <laughs> that is a smorgasbord. All right. Anything else that we need to mention on Snappy J? C. Dash job's pretty good. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. Um, I think it's important to mention that. Like yep. he was doing things that you don't like. Okay, tell him about the throw, bro. I'm telling you about He just throws the ball in the spots where you're looking at it. You go, don't throw There's that no ball. There's no one there, yeah. And then, but, but then somehow he decides, I'm going to throw it anyway. But then it gets through three defensive backs, and it lands in Caleb Brown's hands. You're like, how the, did that happen? Yeah. And then the very next rep, you see Kyle McCord have to step up and go, okay, now i got to do something, and try to force a throw, and it gets picked off by Lord McFarquhar. <laughs> Right, and so you're like, well, I mean, sneaky. sneaky I think it's. I just think it's important. That's, I guess, the point I'm trying to make here is that it's important for everyone to be themselves. Like Kyle McCord is a gunslinger mentality, and I think that he needs to understand if he wants to be that guy next year and be the guy that takes the reps after CJ when the Buckeyes are winning by 40 points in the second quarter this year. Yeah, like he needs to go out there and take care of the football because he, right now he may not be able to do the things or see the field the way CJ does. That's not to say he won't ever. But CJ certainly gets the reps to do that, and uh, boy, oh boy, he's really good at it. CJ uh, a couple times kind of got out of the pocket and like on, on design rollouts, and I thought threw the ball well, which I think he did not always do well last year. Probably like a, tended to sail a little kind bit of a weakness rolled. of yeah. his, I think, um, and an area where he can grow. So that was nice to see. And then one other thing I want to point out on the defensive side. They were on the far end of the field from us, um, and they had a defensive lineup out there where they had their two deep safeties. Actually, it was – I think it was three deep safeties, and Court Williams was still in there, lined up more like a linebacker, uh, which is interesting because, yeah. as Jim Knowles talked about earlier this week, we, we kind of discussed a lot about are they going to play like a, a Sam linebacker when they play the Notre Dames and Wisconsin's in the world, and Jim Knowles said, well, we have a guy like Court Williams who might be able to do some of that while helping us maintain our defensive structure, and we saw a little glimpse of that today, which is interesting. It almost looked like a, I don't know, hybrid like a high bullet, safety bullet uh, linebacker. Yeah. Huh. Well, that's a good name for it. We should call that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in a safety-driven defense, you need to have a safety that steps up. <laughs> you also need to have young linebackers that are able to be the guys next year. And this is my last point. I know people love C.J. Hicks. Yeah. So in this practice, which was bizarrely short. <laughs> Very short. Uh, for, for the for the veterans, they they were done in an hour. But, you know, they got a big scrimmage on Saturday. They're saving the body a little bit. 
Uh, they had the young guys, the, the true freshmen, the non-black stripe removed guys out there. And C.J. Hicks made a really nice over-the-shoulder interception that he, in a game, probably would have returned to the house. And you really get a chance to see the glimpse of that athleticism that he's got. And at 6'4", 220, like, he, he looks like... We don't see a lot of the traditional Ohio State linebackers anymore out there, like the you know the Bobby Carpenters, the Andy Katz. There's, there's types. no Schlegs out there. CJ Hicks looks like that guy. I almost called him CJ Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> just putting big time expectations yeah. on every young there player. You just come be. Like, I just feel like everyone, everyone loves hyperbole, and I think we need to give it to the people. Everyone loves it. Everyone loves hyperbole. Okay. Everyone loves hyperbole more than anything in the world. <laughs> that's that's what I was hoping you would say. That's. Snap judgment, snappy Jays. Another, uh, hey, another one in the books, but it's the best one because it's an open practice. Can't believe we got a full hour and fifteen minutes of exposure to this team. We're gonna milk it for the rest of the month. That's Bill Landis, <laughs> Berm. I'm Austin. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. We'll be back for more coverage with the podcast daily tomorrow morning. Stay with us for full coverage of the Ohio State Buckeyes.